Vikings and the Draft Network, a GMG bi-week special. Good morning, Gallahorn! We are back! This is Dave, and we have the GMG Bi-Week Special. On this special, because the Minnesota Vikings, your Minnesota Vikings, have started out so well this season with a record of 1-5, we're going to look a little bit ahead and look at team needs and the draft with the senior draft scout from Draft Network. Here we go, Draft Network people. Your favorite draft website where you can do all your mocks. We have Mr. Jordan Reed joining us. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? It's been a pleasure, you know, just being here, guys. I appreciate you. I'm making my rookie debut on here, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah! The Rook Dog! The show. Oh, it's been a heck of As most <coughs> people know for our – we put this show out on Saturday mornings. It is our pregame show, so to speak. We record it usually <coughs> on Wednesday, but today is Thursday. And we've had a lot of Vikings news, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, JR, what do you think or who do you think the Vikings should target come the 2021 draft? Well, there's there's a lot of guys that they could target just because I think they have so many positions of need. I think the Vikings are obviously weak in the trenches, and we both know, or we all know on this call, that offensive line seems to be the never-ending Achilles heel for our beloved Minnesota Vikings. So we're always looking to improve there. Defensive line, I think, is a huge need, especially along the interior. It's unfortunate that Michael Pierce opted out uh, the season. We weren't able to see him this year. And then we've seen, we haven't seen some guys develop as much as they would have liked, specifically Jaleel Johnson, Armin Watts, Jalen Holmes, and then there's so many other guys that they have taken in the draft in previous years that just have not panned out the way that they thought they would. But we all know that it all starts with the quarterback position. And I think that's the one position that we haven't been able to get right. It's unfortunate what happened with Teddy Bridgewater, but Rick Spielman has just been trying to throw darts at the position ever since that happened with Teddy's unfortunate injury. We went through the Sam Bradford the injury, the, the Case Keenum, uh, more miraculous year in 2017, and now we're here with Kirk Cousins. So I think they have to get this quarterback position right, and I think they're trying to position themselves to do that right now. And the big three right now that you guys all are familiar with is Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, which is the prized possession of everybody with the number one overall pick right now. Whoever gets the number one overall pick, he's going to be the guy. Everybody knows that. But after that, you have Justin Fields from Ohio State, who is going to be making his, his junior year debut this weekend against Nebraska. There's going to be a lot of people having a lot of eyes on him. And then you have the hometown boy of Trey Lance, who is going to be a feel-good story if he does end up being back in Minnesota. Uh, and I think he's a very good quarterback as well. So those are the three guys that I think they will target if they do end up with a top 10 pick, which it seems like they're projected to be or end up with right now. Could Zach Wilson be one of them? Definitely. He, he's a guy that's definitely trending upward right now. And 
you know, just talking to a lot of BYU people around the facility. He's a guy that he was decent for most parts last year in 2019. He suffered a, a, a labrum injury that he has. He had shoulder surgery on coming into last year. And then he suffered a, a broken thumb as well, trying to make a tackle after an interception. So he wasn't healthy last year, only had 11 touchdowns to nine interceptions at around 2,000 yards So uh, in nine games. So he wasn't the player that we're seeing this year, but now he's already up to, I believe, 12 touchdowns and one interception, and he's playing phenomenal. He leads the nation in completion percentage right now, hovering around 79%, which is phenomenal. And he's had a favorable schedule so far, but, I mean, you can't. he doesn't make the schedule. All he can do is go out there and crush whoever he's playing, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. I wonder if he's any relation to Mark Wilson. He used to play back there way back in the day. Uh, I wonder if he's any relation to. There's a quarterback I'm they had back in the sure. 70s, 80s that was a really good quarterback that I used to, I grew up watching. He played for BYU. Um, throwing it out there. Not that it matters much. Drew, you've got questions for JR? Yeah. I, uh, all the stuff you do at the Draft Network, I follow really close. Uh, really close. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, it's kind of like the only site I have up from February till the middle of April. So I could study because I do a lot of study. Oh, I attempt to. I don't do it as nearly as detailed as you all do over there. Uh, when you're when you're scouting or draft prospecting the Division One against the Division Two guys, is there really a big difference of how you approach when you're doing a draft prospect on a, a you know lower tiered guy like that or you know, when you look at a guy from Montana State, is it different from looking at somebody from, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama or Clemson or something? Do you spend more time on the Division One and the Division Two? How does it work? Yeah, so I'm actually I'm actually assigned to FCS level and also Division Two and Division Three. So I'm very familiar with a lot of guys that you're talking about. And Trey Lance is gonna be the one that everybody talks about, but there's plenty of others at North Dakota State and across the board as well. The Vikings took a division two player in the seventh round last year. I believe his name was his last name was Hinton. He was an offensive lineman. So um, they're an organization that isn't scared of taking chances on these FCS guys. Jared McKinnon was another example uh, when he came out of Georgia Southern of where, you know, they, they really like taking these players on that level. But I think it takes a lot of skill as far as being able to di- differentiate the two just because you have guys that do beat up on favorable schedules, but you have these guys that do have these really good traits as far as it doesn't really matter, the competition that they're playing. But you always have these prospects that have what I like to call resume games. So when they're playing these bigger guys at these upper levels of competition, those are the games you really tend to study a little bit more just because that's the games that they're playing against these top flight competition. But I think it takes a lot of skill to really differentiate and separate them from their competition. But you have to be able to isolate the prospect as a whole and just value their traits. Cool. Like when you're looking at a guy like Trey Lance, does it sometimes enter your mind to say, I wonder how he'd be doing in the Big Ten? Or something like, you know, does it you – know, that's what everybody wonders because, when you know, they first mentioned Trey Lance, they think, well, let's see, see him play with the big boys. Do you ever wonder that when you're actually watching him play? Yeah, absolutely. And it's How- unfortunate with the COVID-19 situation. of He was going to open the season against Oregon this year, and we know Oregon was going to have a really good defense, and that was going to be – that was the game that everybody had circled on the schedule coming into the year. But we know with COVID-19 and the unfortunate situation that's happened with that, we weren't able to see that, and he only had a showcase game against Central Arkansas this year, which was okay, but I don't think it really moved the needle in any direction right. for him just because you're not going to judge one game off of a 16-game sample size from last year. Let's cut to the chase. Is he better than Easton Stick? <laughs> oh, without question. It's not even close. Is he better than Carson <laughs> Is he better than Carson been- Wentz? I've been telling you that, Drew, for a long time. Yes, he is. Well, you've been telling me that, but I want to hear it from this man. <laughs> 
Is he better than Easton Stick? Yes. Is he better than Carson Wentz? Is he better than Carson Wentz? Is he going to be a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? I think it just depends on the system and the surroundings that he ends up in. Do I think he has the potential to be a Carson Wentz type player on the next level? Absolutely. And the player that I compared him to was Dak Prescott. They have a lot of very favorable uh, traits together. Or I think they marry up as far as you know how they win, uh, arm strength, and then just how mobile they are, which I think is something the Vikings lack right now. You have to have a mobile quarterback. And if you think about all the young quarterbacks that have had success entering the league, you have to find a way to be able to create off script and out of structure, and especially with the Vikings offensive line and the situation that we've always been in. And we saw it with Case Keenum, guys, in 2017 of how he was just able to correct so many plays and make them right, even when the offensive line failed in front of him. And I just think that's an area that's really lacking with the Vikings right now. Cool. Cool. It's good Good to hear. It's good to hear. Rhino, you since got any on, questions? Yeah, since we're on the, uh, the Trey Lansing uh, fair disclosure, I'm a Bison alum, big Bison fan. I've watched every snap this kid's ever taken in college. You think? You're a homer. <laughs> <laughs> but do, in your opinion, do you, or do you think that Lance is, is going to be a, a guy that can play year one? Or, I mean, do you think he's going to need to sit and get a little seasoning and stuff before he can make an impact in the NFL? If it were me, I would be more comfortable with him redshirting his first year just because I'm never a fan of just throwing a quarterback out there. And we know anytime you take a quarterback in the first round, they're eventually going to play. We saw it, we see it right now with Tua Tungavailoa in Miami of where Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing some good football, but everybody knows that Tua is the future. And I can see a similar situation happen with Trey Lance, especially if they do end up bringing – let's say the Vikings do end up drafting Trey Lance in the top ten. I think the Vikings are in a good situation of where – um, they're probably not going to be able to get rid of Kirk Cousins after this season just because of the dead cap hit being over $40 million. So there's a situation of where he could have an audition year in 2022 if they want to shop him or just simply cut him. Um, but we know that Trey Lance is going to be the future going forward. I think he will be in a really good situation in Minnesota just because he wouldn't be forced to play right away, even though it would be really hard to look at another year of Kirk Cousins based on how he's playing right now. But just talking about him being in an ideal redshirt situation, I think Minnesota is a good situation for him. Sweet. Is there any other players other than quarterbacks? Say we get to the end of the season and we're still top 10 pick, but Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are still running the show. And we know that Kirk Cousins is stuck on a pretty firm contract and that no other GM in their right mind would trade for him. Is there any other position that you see the Vikings might select over a quarterback in the first round? If it was one, uh, I would go probably defensive tackle, but they've kind of been reluctant to take defensive tackles early since the the, the Sharif Floyd situation. And this, this happens with the Vikings a lot, and a lot of fans don't really notice is when they fail at a position, they're kind of hesitant to take it. And it happened with wide receiver with Laquan Treadwell. They were hesitant to take a wide receiver early after that fiasco with him, and then they landed Justin, yeah. Justin Jefferson, with, which they struck gold with. I think he's a very talented young player. Um, but now they haven't taken a defensive tackle early since the days of Sharif Floyd, and we know the unfortunate situation that happened with him. But I just think the Vikings are so weak up the middle. And I know Michael I know Michael Pierce opting out has a big ordeal or is a big cause of that, but I just think in the trenches they're just very weak up the middle. The guard spots we know are very weak. Um, I think they don't have a lot of depth there either. They're probably going to need two starters there coming into next year and then defensive tackle, somebody opposite of Michael Pierce at that three-technique spot. 
it's kind of been like a game of musical chairs from you know, Sheldon <clears throat> Richardson signing that one-year deal in Minnesota to now with Armand Watts and Jaleel Johnson. I just want somebody there that can just be firm and there for the foreseeable future. Well, on your October 3rd article, you wrote about Jordan Davis. Tell us about Jordan Davis. Yeah, I like to call him the brick house in the middle, man. He's 6'6", 330 pounds, so he's a big guy. He's probably more of a one technique as opposed to a three technique, but I think he probably can play either or. And I think with, with him, beside a guy like Michael Pierce, now you're talking about I – mean, I know you guys remember the Williams wall in the middle mm-hmm. with Kevin and Pat. Mm-hmm. I think that could be something that is very similar, especially if you just want two big explosive bodies in the middle. But he's a guy that's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. And he's having a really good year this year. Georgia has an outstanding defensive front and defense as a whole, as a whole even though they ran into the buzzsaw against Alabama. The offense is just unbelievable. They're running through everybody this year. But um, Georgia's defensive front is really led by him, and he's a really good player that's probably going to end up being a top 50 selection. Well, this year we selected Ezra Cleveland, who was my favorite, as a future left tackle. And, of course, the Vikings move him to guard. Um could they go for left tackle, say, Penny Sewell, if they're high enough? <clears throat> this guy, kid, to me, looks generational. Yeah, and I know I'm I'm very reluctant to throw that type of word out there just because everybody likes to throw around the word generational, but I think he's the definition of it. And I love everything that is attached to him. He's very young. He would, he would have been a 19-year-old junior coming into wow. this year, so he's a relatively young prospect. He's 20 years old now. He just turned 20 in October, but – He's a guy that's very, very far ahead of his age, super strong at the point of attack, very fluid as a pass protector, aggressive and mean and nasty as a run blocker as well. And he's one of the best offensive linemen that I've graded in the past. I've been doing this full time for three years now. He's by far the best one that I've seen. I'll be shocked if he gets outside the top five. I think he's that good. So if the Vikings do want to end up taking him, they're going to have to pass on a quarterback. That That's what I was just going to say. You might as well say goodbye to your quarterback because this, this guy's going to be – Absolutely, hundred percent. The first tackle taken off the board, so you're not going to get, you're not going to get your quarterback and this guy. So, well, I and that, the question, but yeah, and it's well, if Sp- Spielman's gun shy, always and I, has I, been I on selecting for, quarterbacks. That's why. I by think, the way, when he said we're going to have Jordan Reed on the show, my wife said the tight end, and I said, so <laughs> if my wife asks you, Jordan, just say you're the tight end, so we can just bypass a bunch of problems. Um, <laughs> let me ask. Let me throw this out there right now. Why? Why have the Vikings missed on so many offensive linemen in the draft? What? What is so hard about building this? We haven't built this offensive line. Zimmer's been here since 2014. Why do the Vikings miss on so many offensive linemen? Tell me. Well, with Spielman, what happened at first was that he was just waiting too late to take guys. And I mean, I'm in a, I'm in agreement with him. I think you can wait to find guards on day two or even day three. I don't think it's a position of where you need to take early, but it was a situation of where. We know he likes to trade back and accumulate pretty much every single sixth and seventh round pick. So what he was doing with that, he was just throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping he can find guys in the sixth or seventh round. And it just wasn't working out for him. And then another thing is just bad luck and then also development as well. The Vikings just haven't been able, they haven't been really good with developing guys. And you see it in years past, we thought Pat Elfline was going to be the answer. I was a big fan of him coming out, but he just hasn't developed to what they liked. Drew Samir's development just hasn't been what they thought he would be. And then there's other free agencies where I thought were decent, but they just had a different opinion on them. I thought Brett Jones was okay. Josh Klein played some good football last year, but for whatever reason, they just didn't like him. Um, I'm still puzzled by that decision. But 
it is what it is at this point. And then they slide Ezra Cleveland into guard, which I really don't understand just because I thought it was a really good tackle of boys in it for me. I would have been training him now to be the heir apparent to Riley Reeves. So now you can shop Riley Reeves, and now you can see what you have in Ezra Cleveland now pretty much in this lost season. God, the offensive line just seems like it's cursed. They can't put anything together. They can't. And it just is so frustrating that to hear you know Zimmer last February say, we need to make the offensive line needs to play better. That's one of the points that we need to work on. And then it's not any better. Well, so it's, it's like... You need to be able to identify talent, draft the talent, and develop the talent. And there's a huge question mark in the Zimmer regime since he got here about developing the talent on the offensive line. And he's gone through, what, five offensive line coaches? Yeah. You know, that's there's a problem there. Yeah, Zimmer loves his defense. He focuses on defense. He probably thinks offense – you know, it's one of those things that he's got to live with just because he does, but he doesn't want to pay attention to it if he doesn't have to. But one of the things he really needs to focus on is finding somebody that can develop offensive linemen. And then you could go for that second rounder. Well, not even the second rounder, third rounder, fourth rounder. Develop those guys into decent linemen. They don't have to be all pro, even though an all pro lineman would be nice. But just to be decent and the team would be much better. But he can't even hit decent. And that's... we. It, as a fan, we just want it to get better. It doesn't seem to get any better. And it's frustrating for all of us because we're... You know, you got to be good in the trenches. <laughs> you're not going to be good at all. You know? Right. But but it, but is it, from, uh, is it the development thing that's the biggest problem? Or is it the fact that we just can't identify guy, you know the running joke around here, you know, a bunch of us were in on Will Hernandez a couple of years ago when we took Mike Hughes. Well, you know, Spielman came out and said, well, he doesn't fit our system. Well, who yeah. fits our system is the biggest question, I guess. You yeah, know? that's a really good point, just because this is something I say about the Vikings all the time. I think their biggest caveat or Achilles heel right now with the offensive line is that they only run a zone-based scheme. So with the zone-based scheme is that you're trying to win with angles as opposed to just blowing people off the ball and overpowering people. So you're trying to just move side to side and beat guys. And, you know, with Dalvin Cook, all you have to do is create a, a crease for him and he's going to he's gonna explode through it. But now a big problem with that is when you're playing guys like Akeem Hicks, um, Snacks Harrison when he was with the Detroit Lions, and then uh, Kenny Clark in the middle, those guys are just going to push you back vertically and they're not going to let you uh, beat them with those angles side to side. So they're creating this penetration and it just disrupts everything. So I think with the Vikings being a zone scheme only team, it's really hard for them to develop offensive linemen and they're not really going to create a dominant group just because they don't look for guys that are just mean or nasty or just try to overpower people or blow them off the ball just because that's not their scheme. They're looking for these agile uh, athletic guys that are just going to win at the point of attack with these different types of angles. That's why we we haven't been able to have a you know a Steve Hutchinson like we saw back in the late 2000s or somebody like that. We're not going to have them, those big, nasty, mean guys. That's why he said that if Will Hernandez didn't fit the scheme. And you guys know, if, if I was a famous person, Will Hernandez would be one of the first people I sign up to be my bodyguard. That's the type of guys that we want in Minnesota, but that's just it just doesn't fit their scheme, and it's unfortunate. And, that, and that's another thing it seems like with the people that we're, we pick – you know, you don't have, even if they're the more nimble guys, you don't have the people with, with that nasty streak, you know, that you really need. I mean, Samia supposedly had that, but, you know, I mean, we've all seen how well he's turned, 
played this year, you know, so that, that yeah. doesn't really translate, but you know, it's, it seems like that the offensive line just needs an attitude that it's missing completely right now. Yeah. And you, you have to have a tone setter up front. That's what I like to call it. And if you think about Makai Becton, look how well he transformed the New York Jets offensive line. And they're still not a good team. They're not a good team, but they have some type of identity and some type of attitude with them now. And Makai Becton has completely transformed the left side of the Jets offensive line. And you guys know seeing him last year. I mean, he was just tossing people out the club constantly on this film. <laughs> so I just wish Minnesota would have a guy like that. But it's just not what they're seeking in offensive line. It's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. Are there any other positions you see the Vikings possibly taking? You talked about a couple safeties, if I remember correctly. The kid, you, yeah, you well, mentioned somebody in your write-up about some guy from TCU. What's his name? Trayvon yeah, something. So Do it, tell us, Trayvon tell us about him. There we go. Tell yeah, us about so him. He, he, he's a really good player. He has the versatile skill set that you're looking for, especially in the Mike Zimmer scheme. In the Mike Zimmer scheme, safeties have to be able to play on the roof of the defense and zone coverage, but they also have to be able to hold up in man coverage as well. And we all know that Anthony Harris is probably not going to be, he's probably not going to be retained just because he's a guy's going to be a bit pricey. And we know the Vikings are penny pinching right now. That's the word that I like to use just because of the cap situation that's happening with them. We know he's probably going to go on in free agency and then go get a richer deal elsewhere. So they're going to have to have a young safety. And then their depth is really bad at the position right now. We just saw that George Aloka towards ACL, unfortunately. Yeah. And then, they're, they're pretty much grasping for straws right now with the depth at that position. I think they completely mismanaged that over the offseason. And now you have Anthony Harris on the plan on the franchise tag. He's been so-so. He hasn't been as good as he has been uh, last year. But now they're going to have to get a young guy in there. We know Harrison Smith is getting a bit longer in the tooth as well. Mm -hmm. I, I believe he's already 30 or 31 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they're going to have to create some depth there. And Morig is a player that I think fits perfectly in Minnesota scheme. You also wrote about Paris Ford. Tell us about him. Absolutely. Now you talk about a guy that's just nasty and a tone setter. He definitely is that. He's a guy that comes downhill and he'll knock your head off. That's exactly what I wrote out, wrote in his report. Uh, I, I think the world of Paris Ford, he has outstanding ball skills as well. Uh, he leads the country in interceptions right now for safeties with three. He's having a really good year. He's a sure tackler. Now he's more of a guy that likes to play on the roof in a sense. So he's kind of like that, that hawk on the roof of the defense that just likes to oversee everything but I think it fits really well with a guy like Harrison Smith just because we know Harrison Smith likes to be nosy around the line of scrimmage and blitz off of the edge that's something that he really thrives with so I think if you're looking for more of a free safety type of player I think Paris Ford can be that now he is a little bit lean that's something that does worry you a little bit with him as far as his durability holding up he is a bit of a skinnier guy uh, considering the type of physicality that he likes to play with so durability might end up being a question mark for him but if you're looking for a free safety Paris Ford, I definitely think is a guy that could fit Minnesota's scheme. Where do you Does think he projects as far as – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Drew. third round. Uh, well, since we don't have a second-round pick, does he make it to the third, or is he going to be impossible to get because we don't have that – you know, we have that big span where we don't have a selection? Yeah. I think he so goes top 75. No, I think he goes top 75. Well, that's, yeah, the, that's the top of the third <laughs> round, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think they have to trade up to get him. If Mike Zimmer's so still in charge, do you see Patrick Sertain taken? He's another guy. If you put quarterback out the window, you're going you're gonna to have to get him just because he's a guy that's probably going to end up going in the top 12, the top 15. Everybody knows exactly about his right. dad. Yeah, everybody knows about his dad. and It makes me feel old. I'm only 30 years old, but just seeing Patrick <laughs> Sertain Jr. 
that makes me feel old just because I was a big fan of his dad when he was in Miami. But a big corner, 6'2", about 205 pounds. So he has that big Xavier Rhodes-type build that you're looking for, stocky build, very physical at the line of scrimmage and just fluid in everything he does. And he's one of those guys that you immediately notice when he steps off the bus and you're like, man, this dude looks like a Greek guy whenever he steps off the bus. So um, I think he's a really good player. He's probably going to end up running in the low 4-4s, low to mid-4-4s, and I would be surprised if he gets outside the top 12 to 15 picks. Wow. So now, which could with be the, the, with the other news today now? With the other news today now, do you is there any uh, edge rusher, defensive end type guys that you've got your eyes on that uh, could potentially be targets for us? Or yeah, so there's one I really like from Minnesota, and they actually were at a pit game a couple weeks ago, and his name is Patrick Jones the second. He's a player that leads the well. He's second in the country in pressures right now with 24. Um, I'm a big fan of him. Just a naturally fluid edge rusher and I think he probably end up going in the second round so he's another guy that they're probably going to have to end up trading for trading up for but with those two third round picks now I believe they could squarely put themselves in position to get him but keep an eye on Patrick Jones the second from Pitt I like him a lot where does where's he Pitt Panthers Pitt is that what you said yes what Pittsburgh he go to? Mm-hmm. okay Pittsburgh yep get an early jump on all these draft gurus <laughs> what's the word from JR Let's go! Speaking of draft gurus, our own, very own, as you know, JR, Drew puts together no. his big board every year. And I, I have it right in front of me because JR is going to be on the show. I have my top 50 from last year. <laughs> <laughs> and he does pretty good. Uh, but we like to bounce Drew's, yours, and, you know, find different bits and pieces of information out there. But you are our go-to. Tell us about the Draft Network. Yeah, so it's an upstart company that started about two years ago. And the thing that I love about the Draft Network is that we're not just (laughs) constantly writing about the draft. We write about fantasy football. We do gambling. And we're just touching on every single aspect of the draft area and the draft space. But the great thing about the Draft Network is that you can find any prospect in the country in our database. We already have over about 800 kids in the database, and it's not just big-time FBS players. We have FCS, we have Division Two, and we have Division Three. And there's write-ups on every single guy, and we're constantly shuffling our board. Everybody has a region this year, so we're actually running it like a scouting department this year, which is a different angle just to make sure that we can touch every single kid in the country. But also the thing that we're known for is the mock draft simulator, which everybody loves. Mm-hmm. You can The best one out there. The best yourself. one out there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And you can put yourself in Rick Spielman's shoes. And now we have what is called a premium membership. And with the premium membership, you can trade. You can actually trade draft picks all the way up until the year 2024, which is a different angle that we have added uh, this year. So you can trade up, you can trade down. And then we have the computer. Actually, uh, we have like a little setting to where your phone actually rings on the computer screen of where the computer actually bounces trades back and forth with you and you can either accept it or decline it. You can propose trades and then you can rebuttal with it as well. So that's a new feature that we have with the mock draft simulator. You can do all seven rounds or you can do one or two rounds depending on how Very far cool. you want to go. Who's the, it, it, the draft simulator over there is the best one out of all of them because a lot of them you can play it and you can get like 30 picks and get 10 first rounders. I like the draft network because yeah. it's really close to the best. It's realistic. Yeah. Who's the real draft guru over there? Kyle Krabs. Joe Marino, yeah. you, Dre Kyle, Harris. Yeah. Who's, who's, me, the, who's Kyle, the guru? Bro. Ben Solak, who's the guru? Come on. Yeah. 
I mean, ben, Ben's a really good writer, but of course I'm going to pound the table for myself. You know what? The <laughs> amount of information over there is tremendous, dude. It is the only site Thank I you. use now. I don't use anything else. It's all you guys. Thank you. I love it. I love it. You guys do a Thank great, you. great job over there. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's good. Now, where do you think, how do you think, since you're a Vikings fan, how do you think the Vikings are going to end up this season? Final record-ish. Well, I'm I'm hoping they don't win another game. So we can put ourselves, I hate saying that, I'm never going to cheer for the Vikings to lose. But what I always want to happen, especially in a situation like this, I just want the young players to continuously develop, and I want them to be competitive. It doesn't really matter if they win or lose to me, honestly. If they do win, great. If they lose, it doesn't really matter to me. I've always been a guy that, you know, I've been attached to the Vikings, but I'm not one of those guys that just gets super upset if they lose or anything like that. So, But with this season, what I want to happen is just the young guys who continuously develop. If it were me, if I was in Rick Spielman's shoes, I would go ahead and trade Riley Reef, or I'll go ahead and trade Anthony Harris and just let the young guys battle it out just to see what you have in them. And I think the Vikings have like 14 draft picks right now, which is just an astronomical I, number. I we know Rick 11. Spielman or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's some high number. Somebody counted it up this afternoon, and it's 11. JR, we we're a lot alike. We're a lot alike. I don't get upset when they lose either. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I mean, the heart. I've only been a Vikings fan since '98, so the heartbreak. I haven't experienced nearly as much heartbreak as you guys, but I've I've been a part of it for you know over two decades now. Well, it's for us now. It's basically down. What's our quickest route to the Super Bowl? Cheating. Well, <laughs> we're not the Patriots, anyways. Right. My first game was in '69. Right. So, and we haven't, those teams been around 60 seasons and obviously has only been four times, never won it, right? What's the quickest way to get there? And for us seeing it and us just talking about it all the time, is that you need that one impact elite quarterback because they can make up for so many other deficiencies. You can take Russell Wilson in Seattle. Seattle's defense is horrible. But Russell Wilson makes up for that. You can take other good quarterbacks in different spots, and they may have faults on their teams, but their quarterbacks make up for that. Presently, as we are constructed, we don't have a quarterback that can make up for that. So the quickest way in our minds, as the old-timers that want to win one before we die, is find that quarterback. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, if you don't have that position right, you're not going to be very good on any level, high school, college, or in the NFL. You have to have what I like to call that trigger man, the player that just you can constantly trust back there. And, you know, I don't – I mean, I don't blame the quarterback – or I, I don't blame the Vikings for taking a chance on Kirk Cousins. I think it was the right move at the time just because we know with Teddy's situation, we didn't know when he was going to come back. I think Case was just had a flash in the pan year. Everybody knew that he was just going to be a career backup. And then Sam Bradford, we know he was just a walking injury during his entire career. So I don't blame them for going for it. Now, what I had a, what I had a problem with what they did this offseason was extending Kirk Cousins. I think they should have let him just play out this year, as well as Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, just because we know just it's just natural human reaction for everybody to play a little bit better when the feet is to the fire on those one-year deals. And I think they would have put themselves in a better situation. And I know Rick Spielman came out and said that they extended him for cap relief, but I just don't really buy that um, from, from him and, you know, I'm a fan of Rick. I love pretty much a lot of the stuff that he has done, but I just think all of them 
playing on that one-year deal or operating on that one-year deal would have put Minnesota in much more of a flexible situation now just because a lot of those guys pretty much would have been lame ducks now. And if they wanted to just clean house, they wouldn't have anything against the cap and they would have been able to you know, entertain some other guys if that's what they wanted to do. Or they would have played better and we the Vikings would be competitive. Right. Right. Right-o, you got any last questions for Jordan? Um, No, I think I got – Got all my questions answered, so. Jordan, 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 two things. You're on the clock. You're the GM. Are you taking Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Feet to the fire. Let's go. There you go. You put me on the spot. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I would, I've been known to do that. From time to time. <laughs> I would take Justin Fields um, just because I, okay. I trust his game a little bit more. And I'll say that just because I, I don't like using the level of competition as an excuse, but he has just done it at a bit of a higher level and he's had a little bit more consistency on that level too. And I've seen him do it in big moments and that's no shot against Trey. I think Trey has the world of, of upside, but I just trust Justin Fields a little bit more. We know that he's a leader. He's a guy that's been a big time high school recruit ever since he was coming out of Georgia. He came into Ohio state as a team captain, which means a lot to me, especially when you're coming into a new situation as a transfer from Georgia. And then we, he went on to have a, a huge amount of success, 40 touchdowns to three interceptions a year ago, and really was a one throw short from beating Clemson in a semifinal game that wasn't his fault, in my opinion. So I think he's going to have a big year this year, and everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence right now because he's playing, but I think Justin Fields is going to have a heck of a year this year. I saw a documentary on Netflix that, that had him as one of the featured quarterbacks in high school, and he's got some attitude, and I, I, you know, good attitude, yeah. like like confidence. Uh this yeah, was back when he I've was, heard he was going to go to thing. Georgia. He was going to yeah. go to Georgia. It was like you know, but he did. He ended up going to Ohio State. All right, I got a fun one for you. Right, I know you got to get. I know you got to get moving. Give me a guy that you did a draft prospect on, and you went, "This guy is a total flop. He's not going to do anything." And then he got to the NFL and just kicked ass. Is there anybody on the top of your head where you just think, where you never, where it just hits you like a wet towel, and you went, "I didn't see this guy doing this at all." Give me a, give me a guy uh, that you did. <clears throat> It's the guy that actually plays for the Vikings, and it's Brian O'Neill. Who O'Neil. is it? Really? It's Brian O'Neill. Yeah, okay. I was not a I okay. was not a Brian O'Neill fan coming out just because I always struggle with those athletic offensive tackles. That's something that I've struggled with with evaluators. You guys know Jason Spriggs for the Green Bay Packers, who was just a total flop. But I mean, he killed the combine when he was there, and he had a really good career at Indiana. And then a guy like Colton Miller that plays for the Raiders. You guys know that right. everybody hated taking him over Derwin James at the time, but he's gone on to be a really good player. And then I saw Brian O'Neill. I just I just was really puzzled why they took him as early as they did in the second round. I actually had a fourth-round grade on him coming out just because he was so weak. Um, he didn't have any functional strength. But And this was this is what I was talking about when I tweeted out some scouting tips a little bit earlier in the week of how you have to see prospects through both a microscope and a telescope. And what I mean by that is you have to be able to see the short-term outlook of him but also see the long-term outlook of him and what I saw was just his prognosis from just a microscopic look as opposed to a telescopic look and the Vikings I mean he's their best offensive lineman in my opinion and I mean he's gone on to have a really good career so Brian O'Neill definitely will be the answer to that question cool that's cool wow. thank you I was, I was I had that one in the I was sitting all week going I'm gonna ask him that somebody that you, he thought would be a flop that's ended up working out and I know it there's probably a lot of guys that flop out but Man, lots of information today. I love it. Well, JR, we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll probably talk to you hopefully closer to the draft, but I know you're 
schedule will be maxed out then. Uh, <laughs> but we appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know Drew does. does. He's been talking about it for weeks, and so does Rhino. And by choosing the Ohio State kid, you just made Ted Glover's night. I miss I miss old Ted on Twitter, man. I gotta <laughs> make sure to I gotta make sure to message him on Facebook, man, to check on him. Hey, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a good I'm a I'm a draft network VIP. I'm on there all the time. Give me the premium package and set me up, brother. <laughs> I got you, man. Just I'm let looking me know. forward to it. Appreciate you guys. We're already looking forward to the draft. Here we are at the bye week seven. We're already looking at the draft. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Jordan, for joining us. You have a great evening. And uh, we look forward to seeing your work every day on the Draft Network. As always, thank you guys for having me. Let's go. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. <laughs>